I'm Dan Clark, and this is I Am Teacher. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Start things off. We are sponsored by on this episode of I Am Teacher. I'd like to take some time to maybe outline my education reform manifesto. Every year, about this time, around March, end of February, people start to complain a little more. The education system starts to wear on them and they start to express their opinions and feelings on that. And I am no different. I have turned the corner. I am in that frame of mind. But I will not dwell on this frame of mind very long, which I think is an important thing to remember if you do find yourself in a complaining mood, is that it's it's not a permanent state of mind and it's a state of mind that you should try to exit as soon as possible and one of the ways to exit that state of mind is to come up with a solution to the problem that you are complaining about maybe in minnesota we're more prone to this in march because the never-ending winter seems like it's never going to end at this point and that it's just it maybe will be winter forever We are probably the most, maybe Canadians as well, we're the most relatable to some of those Game of Thrones characters. When they say winter is coming, we we know what that feeling is. We know that it's coming and it's going to be long. So the beef that I have currently with our system, it was sparked by my analysis of the Minnesota Social Studies Standards. So if you're not familiar, uh, if you're a student listening to this or maybe a possible teaching candidate or just a random internet listener, teachers are supposed to follow state standards that would dictate their teaching or what they are teaching in those classes. Uh, And they're based on content areas Every single content area has a different organization that writes standards and they're all written differently. In social studies, we have standards which are very broad and they basically just divide up time periods in history um, or might just say something about very broad topics in general regarding content areas. And then we have benchmarks, which are more specific time period based or skill based requirements or objectives. For me, I currently teach U.S. history. So to give you an idea of what I'm dealing with here, I just counted 55 benchmarks for just U.S. history class. This is a one semester class. A semester runs 87 school days. And so if I am going to cover those 55 benchmarks on average, that gives me a little less than two days. It's like, 
I'm at, well, good thing I'm a social studies teacher. I don't know what the math exactly is on that. But if I had two days for each of those benchmarks, that would be 110 days worth that I would need to do that. Um, with 87 days, that means it's you know a little over one day per benchmark. Um, but basically that is not possible. If you were trying to do a good job and make sure that each one of those benchmarks were taught and understood and each student was able to express their ability to complete that objective, it's going to take longer than one day. It might take some students one day, but it might take another student three days. So this is the problem that I've encountered and upon looking back at these standards, I, I've, I decided that it was time to put this frustration into a recording. Maybe doing this, I thought, would be a way to have it exit my mind. And um, my proposal for what the future should look like will be a way to actually propose a solution to the complaining and allow me to move on with my life and keep uh, fighting the good fight. So, the problem is established. Standards. There are too many of them and not enough time to teach all of them. Some things I think we could do to fix this problem is to, number one, I think we should enforce some sort of national standards. Now I know what you're thinking. Your problem or your solution to standards is more standards? That seems weird. Well, let me explain myself. Standards in theory are a great idea. We just did some projects here in US history and one topic that got brought up was the westward expansion in the United States. And they talked about how when we built railroad tracks across the country, we found that every single town was keeping their own time. Maybe they asked someone on the street, what time is it? And they looked at the sun, gave an idea, and they set the time for that city. And every city did it their own way. There was no universal time or clock for the country. And they figured out this was a problem when there were train schedules and there were train stops and people were trying to buy tickets and get on and send cargo across the country and... It was one giant mess. So what they did is they created some standardized time zones. And they divided the country into four sections, set the time and said, all right, this is the clock for this time zone. Set all your clocks to this time. And guess what? It made things more efficient and more successful. But it's not like they added a million little caveats to those time zones. It was simple and it was minimal. I think that same idea would be a great way to address the standards problem in education. So instead of having 50 states worth of standards that are all different and written and worded differently, much like the clocks of the various cities back in the day, you would have a few standards for certain areas um, or certain content areas across the country that you would be responsible for ensuring students could do. And I don't think you would just limit these to the basic 
science, math, social studies, and English classes, I think you would have to blow up the system and you would start to apply this to a much wider range of topics, world languages, things like cooking, things like construction, things like physical education, things like accounting, finance, doing taxes, taking care of yourself, civic knowledge. I think our content areas need to be broadened out, especially the ones that are required within our high school system. And I guess I should preface that I am speaking from a high school teacher perspective. So I don't know exactly how an elementary school runs. I know somehow, I know how a middle school runs somewhat, as I worked in one for a while. But I would not, I guess I'm speaking about some of those higher grades. And if they, if this same principle applies to the lower ones, that would be great. But I know that the last time things were really shooken up were quite a while ago. The last thing I could find that really was monumental was in 1837 when Horace Mann developed the idea or implemented public education. And he went around and he ensured in his first district that he was in charge of uh, that things were standardized and that, that people were meeting certain requirements for what they were being taught or what they learned. And I think in 2019, I think it's time that we did shake things up. And I'm not sure if it's because things are so big that we haven't shaken them up, but I think at different levels of government, there should be more incentives for teachers to experiment and schools to be created. I feel like there should be more subsidies for creating experimental schools. There are plenty of of great examples of successful charter schools. I know a lot of times charter schools get a bad rap, but I think people who form them have the best interest of students at heart. I also love the idea of semester schools. Those are another example of people that get together and they create a school surrounding an idea that maybe is not specifically falling under the categories of requirement for graduating high school. Uh, one example I can think of is the Conserve School in Wisconsin. They focus on the environment. One of the previous guests on here, uh, Tegan Weiss, went to the Conserve School. She took a semester off of school here, moved to Wisconsin. It was like a, a Hogwarts of sorts, uh, kind of like a boarding school where you lived for a semester. You went through their curriculum, which was intense, it was short, but it was meaningful, and it involved experiences in the wilderness that you can't get when you are in a traditional public school setting. I think those are examples that should be replicated and allowed to be tried all over this country. And I think that if you have less standards, if you have a system that's just simply based on less, teachers are allowed to be more creative and they're allowed to focus on how they can be better teachers. They can focus on actually fully developing students. They can focus on teaching students to overcome challenges. They can focus more on helping them think for themselves. They can focus on building skills like speaking a foreign language, which a lot of Americans can't do. 
They can help them on self-regulation of things like technology. They can help them on teaching stages of development or helping them understand what are some of the things or emotions they're going to be experiencing based on the stage of development that they're in. They can even teach how to raise children to this young generation. I think our education system could even focus on educating people other than just K through 12 students. I think we need to allow free education to be given to people who are new parents, people who maybe didn't allow themselves to learn in high school. Give them a second chance. Let them go back. Do it again. Because there are plenty of things that people could relearn that would be very helpful to them. I know even as a teacher, when I go back and teach something about U.S. history, it's not like I simply remember every single detail and it's in there forever. I forget. I have to go back every year and relearn and restudy these topics so that I can sound like I know what I'm talking about and I can provide correct instruction for these topics. And I think parents and older citizens probably could use a fresh dose of education. Have you been to a mall on a Saturday? (laughs) I think there's some parenting lessons that haven't been learned and they could maybe be retaught and might help. I also think if you base the system on less in a high school situation, if students hit those requirements uh, regarding the core topics like math, science, English, and social studies, they can pursue a track or pursue those different interests that might allow them to find their path in life sooner. I always like to give this example to students that high school is like a moving car and you are a passenger in that car and life is the road that you're driving on. Uh, And at school, you should be taught skills and ways to figure out how to run once you jump out of that moving car. And if you do school right and you jump out of that car, you can actually hit the ground running and not fall on your face. Because if you don't learn how to jump out of that car and hit the ground running, you, my friend, probably aren't going to make it too far without smashing your face into the asphalt. And I think the only way to, to complete this and to do all of these things is to fully fund education. And I'm kind of spoiled here in St. Peter, Minnesota. We just passed a referendum recently, and we got a brand new high school. It's nice and shiny, and there are great spaces for students to work and collaborate, and there are tools that teachers can use to reach all sorts of students. But I know for a fact that this type of school does not exist around the country in every single community. But I think it should. I think instead of having stadiums that are worth billions of dollars that taxpayers fund, I think the place that our money should go is into schools. It's crazy to me that we spend those billions on stadiums for sports teams and concerts and places of leisure. If you really cared about the future of things, you would know that the smartest place to put your money would be into the place that develops 
a majority of our population, the public school system. If you provide an environment for students to learn and make it a comfortable environment and a great place to be, kids are probably going to want to learn because it's a place that's comfortable for them. At the same time, I think that if you want that to work successfully, you're going to have to also fully fund the teachers. You're going to have to provide a level of income that allows them to only focus on teaching and being better teachers constantly. This is a system that allows them to not have to work a second and third job. I would love the extra sleep on the weekends instead of waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning to go work for Pepsi. I think we should live in a society that doesn't allow that to happen. We should also try and remove the bad apples from the bunch. Not every teacher is a good teacher. There was a Time article written a few years ago about making it easier to get rid of bad teachers. And it faced a bunch of backlash in the education community. And how could you say this? And oh, teachers are to be respected. But I know from experience, not every teacher is a good teacher. And some teachers could use some guidance. And some teachers could use a pink slip. (laughs) Because they are just not getting the job done anymore. Or never work. But the system we have does not currently allow for that. If you are able to secure a job for a few years, you have tenure, you are hard to remove from the system. I think the free market needs to make its way into education a little bit. I'm not saying it should be a completely capitalist education system, but there are features of a capitalist and market economy or market system that allow for certain changes to be made. So for example, if you give students the options to choose maybe the teacher they would like to teach a certain topic or just a certain topic they would like to take. That would show where the interest lies and that would allow you to maybe re-examine those other classes, re-examine those other teachers to try and fix those things and make them better or maybe scrap it and come up with something different that appeals to the kids. And some of you might be saying, well, how can we trust those kids? Why should we let them decide? Well, they are us. We were them. They know what they're talking about. If you ask a kid if their teacher is a good teacher or not, they will tell you the truth. And their answer is trustworthy. And if they like the teacher because they're easy, they'll tell you that too. So I think we need to listen to the students more and allow their voice to be heard in order to shape our future education system. And once again, I think we need to shift our focus from those pillars of math, science, social studies, and English to broaden those out, to include family and consumer science, to include agricultural education, to include more trades, to include physical education, to include psychology in that social studies area. And if we do that, maybe we have to expand our ability to license certain teachers in those fields. If I'm a teacher in the, social studies, in the social studies field, maybe it should be easier for me to go back to school to be certified to teach a culinary arts class or to teach an agricultural class. But I think it's, I think it's time we wake up as a country and we really take education seriously. 
it's an issue that doesn't get a lot of focus when politics comes up. Every four years, every two years, jobs get brought up, taxes get brought up, cultural issues get brought up, but education is rarely ever the focus of those campaigns. And I think we need to wake up and make it the focus because if we're thinking about the long game and trying to keep our country afloat and keeping it moving in a forward direction, education is almost always the answer to dealing with those problems. And if you look at history, you know that education changes. If you look at Roman times, that's not how education works today. Back then, some guy wanted to start a school, he would go actually build a school and gather some people and he'd talk to them in a amphitheater about life. You fast forward to the one-room schoolhouse in the United States, everyone's at different levels trying to learn something. And then you fast forward to the 1830s when Horace Mann comes in and creates public education. I think in 2019, we should take a look at how we can shake things up a bit. Maybe we look at also some some impacts that the Native Americans might have on education. We look at some of their coming-of-age rituals and how when we challenge young adults with obstacles that are difficult but can be overcome, I think those are powerful lessons that we could add among all the stuff I mentioned before. And I think as a teacher, what you can do to, to make this change happen, or a student even, is Make this known to your counselors. Make this known to your school board members. Make this known to your state lawmakers or even federal lawmakers that you would like to see the system blown up and started over. And to stay motivated on this path, I've got some people to suggest for you to follow for the end of this podcast. People that I get inspiration from are people like Gary V. If you don't know Gary V, check him out on Instagram. He's full of great wisdom that I think should be stuff that fits into the curriculum of the future. I follow Jay Shetty. He was a monk, I believe, for a while, Buddhist monk. And I don't know, he became an Instagram sensation. And just start to follow other teachers. Let them inspire you. Let them communicate with you or communicate with them. I think it's time that the teachers with that intrinsic motivation to be the best possible teacher they can be, to come together and to start to make some noise and make some waves. And it's encouraging to look out into the country and see teachers banding together to protest and to strike for higher wages and better conditions and smaller class sizes. But I think it's also time we add true education reform in with those protests. Let's make something new, something that makes sense for the 21st century. Hope you enjoyed this episode. It's a little shorter than normal. Maybe you like that. If you do or you don't, let me know either way. You can send me an email at danielevanclark. Wait. You can send me an email at danielevanclark at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at imteacher.podcast. And you can donate, if you'd like, at my website, danielevanclark.wixsite.com.
facebook.com forward slash I am teacher. Thanks for listening. If you're in the complaining mood, maybe record it or tell someone. But make sure you tell them the solution too. And then move on with your day and keep things positive. We'll see you next time here on I Am Teacher.